The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture may be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for just being able to worship freely together as a body. Uh, Father, we just pray for the message that Randall gives to us, uh, that we understand that we are in you, Lord, that that is because of you, Jesus, with the the cost that that you paid for us. Lord, we pray that we just pray uh, just for your your truth and your will and your direction and through Randall preaching today and that we respond to that truth. And it's in your sons and we thank you. Amen. Thanks, Trevor. Hey, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good? All right. Well, um, as Bella said, we've got our City Kids Sports Camp. I'm excited about that. I I wore the t-shirt, and so I'm in. I'm in. I will be there this week. So come out Tuesday through Thursday if you've got time. And we've we've almost got around 70 kids that are signed up. So uh, spread the word still have spots available. And uh, the reason is we want to be a blessing to this community. Uh, One of the the, the things, we we had a beach day yesterday. And just being able to talk to someone that uh, was really one of of our neighbors, I see her all the time. Uh, She said, uh, Randall, uh, since the church has come in, she's like, I have to tell you this. Um, The perception about Christians has changed with people that I know. And that is because of what God is doing through you, what God is doing in our community here. And and that's why we're here. We say we want to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And so this is loving our community, no strings attached, um, because that's how Jesus has loved us. And the second thing is this, and I'm excited to tell you about this. Next Sunday, we are having a Sunday fun day. A Sunday, you're like, what is that? And so after service, we're going to have an ice cream truck here, giving out free ice cream, and uh, it's going to be fun. Why? Because it's the middle of summer. Why not? So we're going to be doing that next week. The kids are going to be having fun in the kids' ministry, going to have some water things going on. Um, And how many of you guys have been hot? We're in the middle of summer, and we live in San Diego, and we're complainers already. There's like zero humidity, right? Like but we're still complaining because it's hot. I'm hot. Like, goodness, this is brutal. Whining. We live in St. No, it's just summer. It's okay. Uh, So Sunday, fun day next week, and uh, that's just having fun as a church family. Um, And and the cool part is, like, last week, my my wife and I were talking as as we were getting into— uh, the announcement time and stuff, and people were like still talking, like out here. We're like, man, we have a chatty church. <laughs> like, that's okay. We have a chatty church. So we, we like to be around each other. We like to have fun together. And, um, 
and we're coming together just around, around Jesus. So uh, we're going to be continuing our series. We're in the third week of this series called Jesus' Prayer. And the beautiful thing about prayer is this. As life gets busy, as things happen, prayer uh, is one of those moments where we can just take a deep breath, let it out, and know that he's there. Know that God hears us, that he's with us. Uh, one time, uh, Mother Teresa was asked, she, she said, um, she was asked this question, well, what's your prayer like? And she said, a, a lot of my prayer life is, is listening to God. And the reporter who was asking her the question was a little taken aback and said, well, well what does God say to you? And she said that he's listening. As she's listening to God, she realized that God is listening to her. The God of the universe. And today, as we're going through Jesus' prayer, here's what we get. We get this great gift that in John 17, recorded, we get to hear God praying. Right. So, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And we get to hear the communication that's happening between the Son and the Father. You say, well, what would God pray about? We get to study it over this past month. That's what we've been looking at. And my hope is this. As you hear God praying, that your prayer life will be inspired, that you will be inspired to pray more. And as we've been going through this, you say, well, what does that look like? We've had a men's and women's ministry that started. I encourage you to get plugged into there. And I challenge you over this month, you say, well, I've got some time because it's summer, got some space, go through a gospel. That was the challenge last week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just read through one. Read about Jesus. Read about the one who you are praying to and know his heart and his character because he does listen and he does care. Uh, so our text today is John 17, 10 through 13. And, um, and what is Jesus praying for today? Here's what he's praying for. A real unity. A real unity. Underline the word real. 1992, Rodney King made an appeal to the masses rioting in Los Angeles after he was brutally beaten. And here was his plea. People, I just want to say, can we all get along? Can we all get along? Can we stop making it horrible for the older people and the kids? King's simple appeal was a plea for real unity, lasting unity. You see, in our world, we, we seek unity all the time. But it seems that no matter how hard we try, relationships are constantly imploding, exploding, going sideways. And we rarely experience the unity that Jesus is praying for in his 
prayer in John 17. See, disunity happens with family, friends, acquaintances, and even people we don't know. In 2016, the Washington Post put out an article entitled, America Really Is More Divided Than Ever. And so it gave statistics about how we're more divided, race, gender, politics, religion. We're more divided than united. See, even in the best relationships, there's still misunderstandings and sensitive comments and unwillingness to listen, learn, or even relate. And so for real unity to happen, we need something more than just a worthy appeal. It was a worthy appeal, but we need something more. We need God. We need God. And so for Jesus' disciples, his prayer was an appeal for unity, like please, God, help them to be united. You can see it in verse 11 when he prays. He says, Holy Father, Keep them in your name, that they may be one even as we are one. See, there's a, a unity that, that happens between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that we, we know nothing about. It's just this love, that, this connectedness. And as we look at God, God is praying. He's saying, I want them to be one as we are one. This appeal for his disciples to be united was radical because here's the thing about his disciples. Before Jesus, his disciples would have never been caught together. They, they, they would have been natural enemies, not natural best buds. They're only brought together because of Jesus. And so Jesus takes this ragtag bunch of guys and says, okay, you're gonna be following me for three years. And the unity that Jesus prays for isn't based on superficialities like they all dress alike. It would be based on something much deeper than that. Jesus was praying that their unity would be a God-centered unity, not a self-centered one, not a one where they just look alike, hang out, and talk the same. No, that God would be at the center of it. It would be a, a unity that only God could accomplish. It would not happen through a, a great speech, a campaign, a conference. The answer would have to be God and only God and it was gonna happen through prayer, through prayer. And so our text is John 17, 10 through 13. And to give some background, Jesus before this in, ver in chapter 16 had just told his disciples he was leaving. He says, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be going away. And, and that as he's going away, before I go away, I'm, I'm gonna die. And that the only way that they were gonna survive is through God and clinging closely to one another because they were about to face extreme persecution. And so how does Jesus' prayer in this verse Unite his disciples together. Well, here's what we learn. He gives us three signs of real unity. And so I'm gonna give you all three up front. If you're taking notes today, here's the first one. The first one is the power behind the real unity, the power. The second is the reality. And third, it's the joy. The power 
the reality, the joy. So the first one, the power. Look at verse 11. Jesus says this, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. So Jesus is saying, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. They're staying. I'm going back to the Father. And that's where he kicks in the prayer. He says, holy Father, keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. As I said earlier, Jesus, he's going away. And we find out later in verse 12 that Jesus was the one who was physically keeping his disciples together. He's the one who's like, okay, guys, stop the arguments. Here's some truth. Let me hold it all together here. See, because if it were not for him, they wouldn't have lasted as a group for three years. But God, being right in the middle of it, calms the situation. You'll see it. You'll see it all through. As as you read some of these gospels, you'll see the disciples arguing amongst one another. Well, who's greater? I'm greater than you are. So they're just arguing. I've got three kids. And um, one of the things I realize is they are not naturally best friends. So I've got a seven-year-old son with a five-year-old daughter and now a four-year-old daughter. And all of them have great intentions in their mind of being best buddies. But when mom or me leave the room for five minutes, we give five minutes, we go outside the room, we're like, great, they're playing really well together. All of a sudden, somebody's hit somebody, um, somebody's screaming, somebody's uh, mad, they touched me. Stop touching me. Don't touch me. In my space. The, the only thing that's holding our family together right now is mom and dad being there like, okay, guys, settle down. Apologize to one another. Somebody needs to say sorry here. That's it. And so for three years, Jesus is in the middle of this group of guys calming down the situation, saying, okay, let's settle down here. Let's, 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 let's get along here. And so as Jesus is leaving, he's praying. He's saying, okay, Father, there are two things that I need. There's two things that I'm praying for. The first one is this, that you keep them in your name. You keep them in your name. So it's, it's really only going to be that the, the holding power that's really going to help this thing to last is going to be the power of God holding this thing together. Okay, God, you got to keep them. Holy Father, you got to keep them together. And where do we keep them together? Well, he says, in your name. In your name. One thing we talked about last week is that God's name reveals God's character, who he is, the real God. Keeping him in in that name right there. Who is God? Who is the character of God? Like that name, the God of the Bible. Because we find that God is perfectly manifested in Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Look at his character. Look at everything about him. You will see God manifested. 
So that's why we challenge you. Like, read through the Gospels, get to know who Jesus is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of them. But this verse also points to the power in God's name. Like, what's the staying power? What's the holding power that's gonna keep it together? That the name Jesus refers to doesn't just reveal God's character, but also his strength. His strength. God is powerful enough to keep people who are not best of buds together. Psalm 54, one says this, oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Where's the power for unity? It's in God's name. It's in God's ability. It's in God's power. You see, we talk about like the vision for the church, like the, the last part of that vision, I was, I was talking with uh, my friend Ryan this week and, and I said, you know, it's, it's to seek new life in Jesus. It's to seek new life in Jesus. What's the thing that holds this church together? It's not holding together by us uniting behind the name of Grace City. It's not us held together by the name of the pastor. The church is held together by the name of Jesus. It's Jesus. We are united in Jesus. There is no other name above his name. And so that's what unites us. And that's where the power is. It's in him, not in us. And so as Jesus prays for unity amongst his disciples, under God's name, which we see revealed in the person of Jesus, what's the goal? He says that they may be one. That, it, that they may be one and, and come together. Why does Jesus pray, pray this? Because on their strength, they will be divided. On their power, they will be divided. On his strength, they will be one. Here's the truth. There are many forces that try to pull us apart, aren't there? Pride, ego, suspicion, greed. Let's be honest, it's our sin. Our sin. Like what's the thing that's dysfunctional in the middle of our relationships that just causes things to explode and break apart? Most of the time, if we're honest, it's us. It's us. Right at the center of it. And so what's the only thing that's gonna hold it together? God. See, the same hangups that plague us in our disunity plague the disciples. They weren't superhuman. They were just like you and me. Their oneness was an impossible task without God. In his book, Love in Hard Places, Don Carson suggests that ideally the church isn't composed of natural friends, but rather natural enemies. Here's what he says. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common assents, common, uh, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. 
In the light of this common allegiance, in the light of the fact that they have been loved by Jesus himself, they commit themselves to doing what he says. And he commands them to love one another. In this light, they are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Right. It's Jesus at the center of this. And so where's the power at? It's in God. It's in God. The second point is this, the reality, the reality of this. And so verse 12, look at this. It says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, just like we talked about, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Let's boil this down. Here's the harsh reality. People walk away. People walk away. People walked away from Jesus. Yet, for Jesus, as Judas walked away, because that's what happened, Judas walks away, he betrays Jesus. It identified something much deeper. It revealed Judas' heart, his motives. See, see, what's the thing that's gonna bring out the motives in the heart? God, he's the only one that knows the heart. And, and so, putting it out there, what was it that Judas betrayed Jesus over? Money. We see this wasn't a surprise to Jesus. John 12, 6 says this earlier. It says this about Jesus. Um, having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So, so it wasn't like this, like, instant, oh, Judas betrays Jesus, but it was over time. And, and here's the, the thing that exposed it. Judas looked into the face of God for three years. He looked in the face of God for three years, walked with him, talked with him, experienced his love and grace, and eventually didn't want him. What was it that exposed Judas? Jesus loving him. <laughs> Continually loving him over and over and over and over again. Showing him grace time and time and time again. It made Judas more and more rebellious and didn't want Jesus. So the question is, well, did Jesus fail? Is he a failure in that? No. It says that it only fulfilled what God already knew. It says that the scripture might be fulfilled. Unity in God comes with facing the harsh realities that there will be some who walk away. And in your pursuit of Jesus, there will be people who walk away. Maybe walk away from you personally because you said, I, I want to follow Christ. See, there will be those moments where the heart is revealed and where disunity happens because we don't want unity under Jesus' name. Right? And so we walk away. And as we see Judas, the same thing happens. 
He didn't want unity under Jesus' name. That's the hard part. And so, the third point is this, the joy. Verse 13. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 13, lastly, Jesus prays for joy. But it's not just any kind of joy. It's his joy. It's his joy. What is Jesus' joy? It's that God would fill our lives. That, that God would be the all in all in our lives. Augustine once said, you have, you have made us for yourself, talking to God, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart are, is restless. And so where, are we, where, where do we, where, where does true joy come from? From what Jesus says and as he's praying, he says it, it comes from God. Where, where's true rest found? God. You see, Jesus is not only praying for his disciples, he's eventually gonna offer himself for his disciples. He wants them to experience joy in God so much that he's willing to give his own life. So you ever ask that question like, well, does Jesus love me? Does he care about me? Is, is God even there? says he gave his own life to be with you and that if you if you were truly seeking like you want real joy in your life to come into your life and everlasting joy it's going to be him coming into your life it's the only thing that's going to last it's, it's his joy that, and I, I just want you to see the other side for a second because it tells us in Hebrews 12 1 through 2 this it says let us run with endurance the race that is set before us Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How do you say, well, well, where does your joy come from? It doesn't just get mustered up in here. We don't have it just stirring around inside of us saying, okay, like this is the thing that's going to really unite us. It's looking and saying, whoa, Jesus joyfully went to the cross for me. He didn't see it as a burden. He didn't guilt us into just loving him and saying, okay, well, you gotta follow me now. You gotta love me now because I went to the cross for you. No, he says it's, it was a joy for him to give his life, to lay it down. And so just some takeaways. What are some steps towards real unity in our lives? The first one is this, just relocate the source. And what I mean by that is relocate the source of of the power for unity. See, many of us are disappointed because of broken relationships in our lives. But let me ask you this. Are you trying to hold your relationships together on your strength? Or are you asking God to hold them together on his? Are you willing to admit and say, man, if it wasn't for you, God, I would have walked away a long time ago. Because they're gonna be difficult relationships to be in, right? Like it's just really tough. 
for some of us. It's, this applies to friendships, dating, marriage, parents, coworkers, so on. Every aspect of your life, relationships. Last week was 12 years of marriage for me and my wife, Laura. And I praise God for that. All glory to God. Right? Because you, you look at your life and you say, well, yeah, he's a pastor. And of course, you know, they're, they're together. And they marry. Like, here's the thing in life. I don't take anything for granted. I don't take anything for granted. And here's why. Because I know in here. I see it. And the only thing that kills the selfishness within me is Jesus. He slays it. He helps me to become better. And by the grace of God, I am better today than I was 12 years ago. But who's the one, who is the power source to make that happen? God. I even remember when, when my son was born and I just had this moment where I was just, end of the day, tired, you know, he's only a few months old, and I'm watching uh, Sports Center, and I'm like, man, I'm just like so happy I could just relax and uh, just kind of chill out for a minute, and then my wife yells from, uh, at the time we were living in like a two-story, she's like living, you know, she yells from upstairs, hey, Randall, can you come give Kai a bath? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to watch Sports Center. I, I just want to sit down. I just want to relax. I just want to watch some TV here. I've had a long day. And I remember going up there and, uh, okay, yeah, I'm just going to give my son a bath here. And uh, so I'm just hanging out with him and giving him a bath. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit convicted me. It's like, you're, you're being really selfish right now. Don't you remember that two years ago as you were praying and even doctors were saying, hey, it's gonna be really hard for you guys to have kids? What happened? Why, why are you being so selfish in this moment when you have a great gift of your son right in front of you. Power of God. See how forgetful we are in those moments? By the grace of God, he holds our family together and his power and his strength is enough. Okay? And so we look to him. The next point is, and this is the next takeaway, allow God to reveal your motives. Allow God to reveal your motives. Here's the thing. You and I, like, we're, we're not Jesus. Like, in this moment, we're like, we're, we're ready to be like, ah, oh, Judas, Judas, Judas. You know what I mean? Like, walking away, see you, see you. You know what I mean? Like, disunity, I see what you're doing. Like, all that stuff. Here's the thing. We're not Jesus. We don't know. Like, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus knew we're not Jesus. But those types of things will happen in your life. There will be moments where people walk away. There will be hard, difficult things that you're gonna go through in life. And Jesus, being perfect, he had people who walked away. 
Just know that it's going to happen. But in those moments, instead of allowing ourselves to um, start judging other people's motives and saying, oh, well, this is why they did this and that, like we don't know that. But here's the thing. Allow God to reveal your motives. Allow God to reveal your heart. Allow God to reveal areas of growth in your life. And here's the beauty of it. Remember that Jesus is enough. Because even in your moments where you've done things that were wrong and it caused dissension and division, that you can come to Jesus, a God of grace, and say, God, forgive me and help me to be better next time. I really messed that one up. And and give me grace, God, to say sorry when I need to say sorry. Right? Like that's the things that he does in here. I was listening to a great podcast this week. It really helped me. It was, it was sent to me by uh, one of my mentors. And, he, and it, it, this is the part that really hit me. It was a quote by a guy, Pete Scazzaro. He says, um, he says, God sends people to you to misunderstand you. God sends people to you to slander you. God sends people to you to walk away from you. It's part of what happened to Jesus. And a student is not above their teacher. Do you understand God is working in you? Right, like there is something that God is shaping in you that's more important than just the fruit that you want to see out here. God's trying to produce inner fruit and it's going to happen through moments like this. You say, God, how do I make it? How do I do it? You lean into prayer. You ask for God's help. You say, God, grow me through this situation. Here's the last takeaway. Seek lasting joy. Where do you find your joy in life? Like, what's the thing that's like, man, that's gonna put a smile on my face today? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? Let me ask you this. Will it last? A few months ago, I was sitting up with a friend up at Mount Soledad, and I'm telling you, I think it's the best view in San Diego. We've got it right up the street. And so we were sitting up there at Mount Soledad, um, and... We're looking over the city, and I, and I was just going through one of those seasons where it's like, man, stuff doesn't last. I'm looking over the best, right? America's finest city. We've got everything here. I'm looking over it all, and I'm thinking to myself, as good as it is, this won't last. If, if we find our joy in this, it's not going to last because you know what Mount Soledad is? It's, it's a memorial. And I'm sitting up there. And as I'm looking over San Diego's best, I'm also looking at the faces of men and women that are up there on that memorial. They gave their best. They fought. They gave things up. And what I realize is this, that we can find momentary happiness in things, but what's the lasting joy? What's the thing that's going to last forever? And the only thing I can look, as I looked over the city, is, man, it's Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to have my joy. See, Jesus tells us a relationship with God is the only thing that won't fade away. It's the only healing ointment that can cure all of our wounds. It's it's the only solution that will conquer all of our troubles. Joy in Jesus is the one thing 
that will bring unity amongst weary, broken disciples. And as Jesus looked at his disciples, he says, man, I want, I want them so badly to have joy, to have my joy, because that's the thing that's gonna bring them together. It's not gonna be the work that they're gonna do because they're gonna be persecuted. No, it's, it's gonna be a relationship with me. Uh, me and my wife were watching this movie yesterday, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And uh, I, I thought, uh, just beautiful visuals in the movie and great storyline. And uh, one, of, one of the characters is this um, really goofy guy, you know, just guy that just wants so badly to uh, get his own bakery. And that was his ambition in life. And I, I'm not gonna tell you the, the, the whole story. You should go watch it for yourself. But um, what this guy finds out, his name's Jacob, is that there was a world beyond himself. There was a world beyond what he knew. There were people there that were some of the best people he ever met. And there was a scene in the movie where the main character asks Jacob, he says, he says, do you wanna, do you wanna be obliterated? Basically what obliterated means was you forget everything that you just saw. He says, if you go back, you're gonna be obliterated. And uh, he says, uh, then I'm not going back. I'm not gonna go back. I can't go back. He loved that new life that he found, and he found so much joy, and it, it's, it's amazing just to see, you know, as, as he finds this, like, joy in this new life and this relationship that he, he finds. And what I'm saying is this, that Jesus says you can jump into this new world where people, you, you just, it, and find relationships and, and, and so much beauty that you never had before. And you could be united in that. And this is the reason. Because all of humanity was united about one thing. And it was this, putting Jesus up on a cross. It said all of us rebelled. It said that all of us turned away. It said that all of us our sin put Jesus there. And now because of Jesus, because as we look at the cross, we can find a real unity with God and with others that we did not have before. And so will you trust him today? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that um, you came, that you died, that today because of what you've done on the cross we can have a unity a real unity where you hold us together where you hold us in your hands so thank you Lord that even now the gospel hits our hearts 
speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.